0: Available. All right, we're talking about the last uh, five, six weeks on Know What You Believe and Why. I am going to shake some of your worlds tonight. Some of you may know the material that we're going through. Some of you have never heard uh, what we're going to go through tonight. And this is a, a night where, and that's why I gave you such an extensive outline, which I normally don't do. Everything uh, that you're going to see and hear tonight is going to shake some of you as far as uh, what you've uh, heard in the past without, if you haven't gotten a biblical basis for it. So, uh, now I got your attention, right? He's like, okay, what heresies coming out tonight? None, I trust. Uh, we're going to go 100% to the Bible and see what it has to say. So, the title itself should get your attention. Know what you believe, the Sabbath, legalism, and Sunday, And uh, many churches uh, uh, teach that there is a particular day called the Sabbath, which uh, they try to make today. Which, of course, the Sabbath is not today. Today's the first day of the week. We're going to go through a bunch of biblical arguments to explain what the Sabbath is, who it applies to, and here's the part that's going to shake your world. What did they do on the Sabbath? (laughs) Okay, some of you know your Bible. Uh, Nothing. And you're going to see that as we go through it. Because what is the big issue, especially with some, uh, uh, and I'm not going to name them, but there's some denominations that teach you need to go to church on uh, the Sabbath. And so they have churches on on, uh, Saturday, basically. And we're going to find out from the scripture why that's a suspect conclusion. So uh, stick with us. I think you'll enjoy what we go through tonight. And uh, I I will say this, and it's on your outline. There's an individual named Arnold Fruchtenbaum. I love him. Uh, I started reading his work when I was doing my doctoral work some years ago. Had no clue who he was. I met him in Dallas at uh, the Pre-Trib Research Center, um, I don't know, five, six years ago. And uh, I'm like, wow, here's a guy that's written more books than I've read, not quite. Literally, but the guy's written probably 50, 60 books. He's just an an amazing author, very, very detailed. The thing about Arnold is he is a Jewish person who trusted Christ back when he was younger. So he brings out things that many of, uh, uh, if you will, the Gentile folks, they didn't grow up with it, they didn't understand it, and he writes from always a Jewish Messianic perspective. And you'll uh, see some of that. So I, I highly encourage you, if you... Uh, to get the book he wrote called The Sabbath. So I am uh, borrowing some of his things, and uh, we'll see that tonight as we go through the scriptures. So I trust it'll be interesting to you. So a couple of key questions that we've been asking over the past five weeks, and now we're really getting into it. Number one, are you under law or grace? What's the answer? Grace, absolutely. There are 613 Old Testament commandments, And uh, folks, we're not under law, but we're under grace. And we're going to see that tonight. When was the Sabbath implemented? Now here's, it is a trick question. When was the Sabbath implemented? And and I'll let you discuss for a couple seconds here. When was the Sabbath implemented? Any ideas? Say what? All right, at the end of the six-day creation. Any other ideas? Say what? In the wilderness? Okay, anyone else? Alright, so we got two divergent opinions. One of them is correct, and it's not the one you think. Alright, got your attention? Good. Alright, did the Sabbath command involve going to a gathering place to worship God? Oh, okay, got some no's. Anybody, well, I won't, I won't pick on the yes people, because no is going to be the correct answer, as we're going to find out tonight. Did Jesus violate the Sabbath command? No, anybody think, you don't have to say yes, but in some of your minds it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And we're going to do this next week. We're going to go through seven different passages where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the elders said what? Hey, Jesus, why did you heal on the Sabbath? That's against the Mosaic law. Or is it? So we're going to see some very interesting things. How Jewish law Not Bible law, not Mosaic law, but how Jewish commandments basically became the traditions that many of our Jewish friends still follow today. This is great, because I'm looking across, looking at your faces, and some are going like this, some are like that, and it's like, what are you talking about? Well, we're going to tell you in just a moment. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 20, and we'll read a couple verses, I'll pray, and then we'll do a very quick review, and then get into the new material for tonight. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Now, what we're talking about in Exodus 20 are the ten what? The ten commandments, all right? So this is nothing new to you. This is a thing, a material, but I, I want you to pay attention. What book is it in? Oh, Exodus, all right? That's going to become operative as we start our study tonight. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. held it. Father, I pray now as we open up the precious word of God, the only book that you've ever written and given to us, I pray that you'd speak to us from these precious passages. Father, I pray that uh, we wouldn't be uh confused or uh, beguiled if you will even by many of the things that have been taught by many pastors and preachers and teachers over the years, but Father, that we would as always instructed to 2 Timothy 2:15 to rightly handle, rightly divide your word this evening. So, Father, we commit this time to you. I pray that you'd uh, encourage us by what we read. And, Father, as we open up the scriptures and delve into the depths of what you've given to us. So, Father, we commit this time to you. Pray to bless it now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, a couple of very quick uh, historical things. And I'm going to try and move quickly tonight seeing we have our little business meeting coming up. So uh, put on your seatbelts and let's get going. All right. So we've uh, uh, basically this slide should be pretty much memorized by everybody that's part of the of Uni-Gro Baptist. How do you properly interpret the Bible to make sure you're getting what God says? Well, you have to look at its historical background. What was it? Why was it written? And who was it written to? Tonight, that is absolutely imperative to understand this contextually. So we look at the uh, a small passage, and it's like, well, what is What's meant in a couple of of passages, like what we just read in Exodus 20? We just pulled out a couple of verses. Well, in context, what does it mean? Then the other one, we have to look at the grammar. What is the grammatical piece? So, uh, many of us, you spend years going through Hebrew and Aramaic and and, uh, for the Old Testament, Greek and the New Testament, and you learn the Old Testament New Testament grammar. And uh, I'm still struggling with English, so the other ones are a little harder, uh, but, it's in, but it's imperative, it really is, to uh, understand grammatically what's taking place, what's modifying what, who's speaking uh, in what tense, what voice, and all those good things. The next key piece, which is absolutely uh, uh, dominant in our biblical interpretation, is to interpret the Scriptures literally, what God said He meant. What He meant is exactly what He stated. Now, the, the uh, uh, other part of that is people say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't God use symbolic language at times? Absolutely he does. When God uses symbolism, though he explains it. He interprets it somewhere. Parables are a very good example of symbolic uh, a literature that God uses, if you will, or, or speaking. And he will say something in a parable. What does he always do at the end of a parable or somewhere? Well, he tells you what it means. And it was hidden to those who, of course, it was supposed to be hidden to at that time. So again, uh, literal interpretation is key. So what we've also been talking about is how does God work and this, again, absolutely imperative to understand this for tonight's message. God worked with different people in different ways at different times. The simplicity of this, which we've gone to, is, are, and, and I asked you the question, and everybody answered right, are we under the law today? No, we're under grace. That's, that's a simple a, a division. It's a simple, if you will, dispensation, or how God worked with particular people at a particular time in a particular way. Uh, so we 're going to see that uh, in detail tonight in a few moments all right, and again, uh, this verse second uh, Timothy two fifteen many of you use the new King James version, uh, good word, be diligent, present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed." Rightly dividing the word of truth. Many of you have the King James Version, which is basically the same thing, different word. All the words, by the way, are very appropriate from uh, the Greek language. Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman or a workwoman for that fact that needeth not to be ashamed. Doing what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, what do we need to be cautious about? We better interpret the Bible exactly the way God wants us to do it, apply the right things to the right people at the right times, which is very key when interpreting the Bible. All right, here's the new material. You ready? Let's see how many worlds we rock tonight. Some of you, it's going to confirm what you already know. Others, it's going to be, I never saw that before. All right, so we'll see what happens. We're going to be talking about the Sabbath tonight. Uh, the word in uh, the uh, original language, the Hebrew, is Shabbat. Now, when you have two Bs, as we have in the word uh, Shabbat, it's an extra strong emphasis. What is being emphasized with this word Shabbat or Sabbath in English? The noun form, which is what we're interested in here tonight, is is found 111 times in your Bible, and most of the time, and you have to watch the context, it's referring to the weekly day of rest. And everyone for the most part is familiar with the Sabbath day, the seventh day. Did I say the seventh day? Keep that in mind. Seventh day. The Sabbath is the only named day. All other days in the scripture are given the name of a numeral. In other words, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, on the what day? First day, then he goes to the second day, then on the third and fourth and so forth. The Sabbath day, which is actually the seventh day, is the only day that God ever names in Scripture, and this is going to become operative. All right, here's the book I told you about. I highly recommend getting it. It's it's just a masterpiece of work, uh, "The Sabbath" by Arnold Fruchtenbaum. Sounds just or you spell it just the way it sounds, uh, Fruchtenbaum. Uh, A wonderful, wonderful godly person. By the way, if Arnold was here and I took a picture with him, he barely comes up to the top of the pulpit. So, I mean, it looks like uh, the giant with uh, the, I won't say the the little guy, but he's a little guy. Um, But a godly guy. And His head, his mind is, wow. Um, God really blessed him with uh, one of the greatest minds of our generation. All right, so we're going to talk about Sabbath law versus the gospel of grace. Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders experienced significant tension over the concept of the Sabbath. I mean, uh, uh, Jesus, every time he went into a synagogue, and, and we read it in seven different passages, he walks in, somebody's got a withered hand. He says, hey, come here, buddy, and, and he walks up, and all the Jewish guys are watching Is He's going to heal them. It's a Sabbath. You can't do that. What does Jesus do? He heals them. You see that multiple times, seven different times in the scriptures, in the gospels, they make a big deal out of Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Maybe you remember the story, uh, of the account, I don't like the word story, you remember the account of Jesus and the disciples, they're walking through a grain field, and the guys are saying, just like I said as soon as church was done, I'm hungry, I want to eat. I know you want to say something, go for it, no. Uh Uh, I get picked on about eating too much, and it's true. But whatever, we all have our, our problems, that's mine. Anyway, I'm working on it. Uh, Here's the thought though. Here, The disciples are walking through the grain fields and and they're like, I'm hungry. And they reach down and they start picking some grain and they're harvesting grain and eating the grain. And and as uh, those uh, Jewish leaders come around Jesus and the disciples, why are you guys picking grain? Why are you eating on the Sabbath? Don't you know that's against the law? We're going to see that the laws that are... uh, that they were referring to were, and here's the question, were they biblical laws or extra-biblical laws? All right, next point. Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders experienced significant tension. Didn't Jesus indeed break the Sabbath as accused by the Jewish religious leaders? All right, now the first part of the message, we're going to get a little technical. But if we don't get technical, none of this is going to make a a world of difference when we get in the scriptures in a few moments So stick with it uh, for this first half. So, and uh, I'm going to say it in an English way, Menucha, a Jewish concept of the Sabbath. So when the Jewish people understood what the Sabbath meant to them, if you go up to an Orthodox Jew today, these are the things that they will tell you about the Sabbath. The word literally means from the Hebrew concept, from the Jewish extra-biblical Please don't miss that extra-biblical, not biblical, extra-biblical writings. The word basically means to rest, cessation of work. You don't do anything. Now, Jesus' teachings, or Jewish teachings, I'm sorry, not necessarily biblical on the Sabbath purpose. So here they are. Number one, three major things that Jewish people believe the Sabbath should accomplish. Number one, work towards becoming a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. All right, so the Jewish males, good thought. Uh, uh, They understand from the Old Testament this is a proper thing. They will one day be a kingdom of priests during the millennial time. So they're attempting to reach that in this particular dispensation or time period. Second, the Sabbath prevents one from becoming enslaved to secular activities. Now, folks, and the young folks here, and maybe those in their 20s, even probably maybe the 30s, uh, you didn't grow up the way I did. Sunday, you did not go to the store. Why? Because none of them were open. How many of you remember that? Oh, we got a lot. All right, great. I feel more comfortable now. (laughs) All you young folks, it's like, hey, uh, after church, I need a new cable for my, uh, uh, my video games. Can we go to Walmart? Yeah, of course. And boom, off you go. And you go right in. Why? Because all the stores are open today. You go on the internet, which is the way most of us shop now, but uh, the bottom line is this. Up until a generation ago, or somewhere in there, you didn't go to, I mean, you just couldn't go anywhere on Sunday because nothing was open. Everything was shut down. Well, the whole world has changed in that time period. Where did all that come from? Our Jewish friends basically started that, and we'll see how. Third thing. what the Sabbath to the Jewish people is it proves one trusting God that he will supply your needs without the material gain of work on the Sabbath now wait a second I need to make an income right you need to make an income and if I can't work seven days now you think back in biblical times okay? today I mean our everything we do is different most of you work Monday to Friday if you're fortunate or you work shift work or you work Uh, four or five days based on the amount of hours, you know, some work ten, some work eight eight hour shifts and all that kind of thing. That wasn't the way it was back in the day. Back in the day, you got up, you put on your overhauls and you went out and fed the cows, you uh, took care of the gardens, you took care of the crops, and you worked seven days a week or you didn't eat. And God said on the seventh day you sit down. You rest. Okay? That's, That's what they were looking at as having taken place. But we need to find out when that basically was commanded to do. All right, uh, a couple other things from a Jewish perspective. When the Jewish people, they have literally three names that they give to the Sabbath. Queen, princess, and bride. And they look at the Sabbath as a, I mean, the Sabbath is special. So I got a good friend, I hope he's watching tonight, but I doubt it, uh, a guy named Iby, or A.B. Eisenbach. By the way, maybe you've seen uh, him uh, those in Milwaukee County especially, he's run for a couple of offices. Uh, he's an Orthodox Jewish uh, man. He, uh, If you look at him, there's no doubt about uh, what his uh, beliefs are. He wears the uh, Orthodox Jewish uh, clothing all the time. Wonderful guy. I love him. Uh, good friend. Uh, but he would look at the things that we're saying right now and say, yep, that's exactly the way it is, and God bless him. Well, here's what they look at. The queen uh, referring to the Sabbath, the graciousness, The loveliness of the Sabbath. When uh, they start Sabbath, I don't have mine on me, those cell phones get turned off for 24 hours. You say, that's crazy. How can you do that? The cell phones get turned off. There's no communication with the outside world. The family gets together, and, and it's, a, a sac- I mean, it's a very sacred time. They have very specific uh, meals that they'll fix for the Sabbath. There's a ritual that they follow every single Sabbath to this day. It's very important to them. Uh, the princess, the charm of the Sabbath, and the bride, the loveliness of the Sabbath. So we look at these Sabbath rules Where did they come from? Where do these things come from? Well, they did not come from the Old Testament. They came from rabbinical or rabbis who taught uh, the Jewish people things that they believed would help them draw closer to God, and they came up with a set of rules, if you will, to follow. And here we go. 1,500. Now there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. The Jewish people, the rabbis, the rabbinical leaders came up with an additional an additional 1500 rules that the Jewish people were to follow. Now here's how they came up with the rules. So they go to the Old Testament, that's a good place to start, and they started looking at how the tabernacle was being built. And they looked at the 30, they, well, they started to, to tear it apart. What different things in the, in the forming of, this, of the tabernacle couldn't be done, if you will, during Sabbath times? That's how they tried to figure this out. And they came up with 39 different areas. In other words, you can't use a chisel today, and you can't uh, walk too far today. And they came up with all these different rules and regulations, and all of a sudden they said, okay, we don't want to dishonor God. Now, that's a good thing, right? I mean, their hearts are in the right place. So they said, listen, guys, uh, okay, we got these 39 key things that really shouldn't be done on the day of rest. So let's look at every possible thing that we could do that could violate those 39 things. And now they've come up with 1,500 things that have morphed out of those 39. Now, here's one thing that, of course, they didn't come up with back in the day, but is more of a modern thing. When I'm in Israel, and and you're going up in an elevator, there's two different types of elevators in Israel. There's one that stops at every single floor during the Sabbath, and there's one that you press floor 20, and you go to floor 20. Our Jewish friends say, it's too much work. You can't touch your button here, so uh, it's an automatic elevator. So it goes, it stops at every floor, you walk in. You do not press a button because that would be considered work. Now, to some of you, it's like it's like wow, that's uh, above and beyond uh, what I would ever think. Well, folks, they they take it dead serious, and and, and I respect that in them. I certainly don't agree with them, uh, but they really, really are trying to honor God. So, from that perspective, I I appreciate their sincerity. All right, three other uh, quick words: about a v o t. Hebrew word, work done by the Jewish fathers on the tabernacle. So that's where this concept came from. The second word is toldot, the offspring of the 39 major areas of work not to be performed on the Sabbath, according to rabbinical teaching or extra-biblical sources. The final, pill the complete set of regulations or that 1,500 things regarding what was not to be done on the Sabbath. All right, all the high school kids, this, is a, this will be on a test. I'm going to send it to your schools, and uh, that will be your teaching for the week. You say, oh, I wish it was only three words for a week. All right, Sabbath worship, Old Testament law, fact or fiction. Here's a statement, Old Testament law, never stated that worship or a gathering such as the modern church was an aspect of the Sabbath. Now that's going to get some attention. Some of you already know uh, the answers to this and why. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. And uh, that uh, passage is a, a course where a lot of people think the Sabbath originated. Do you know that if you do a word query right now, and don't do it while I'm speaking. You can do it afterwards. Mark it down and make a note. If you go to the Internet and you query the word Sabbath and say, give me every reference to the Sabbath in the Bible, how many times does it appear in Genesis? Anybody know? Do I hear a guess? I hear none? Okay, let's stop with none because I don't want to get any wrong answers. That's the correct answer. The word Sabbath is not in Genesis. Now, some of you just, uh, your teeth just fell out, right? What? Wait a minute. Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Now we have the uh, basically Genesis one. We have uh, basically the full creation story. Now Genesis two, we whittle it down a little bit and get a little bit deeper. Genesis two one to three. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. All right. So Genesis one makes it real clear everything's in place. God's created everything that is. Verse two and on the which day? You mean on the Sabbath, right? That's what you really wanted to say. Does he say the does he say the Sabbath? He doesn't. All right God does not use the word Sabbath in Genesis. What does He call that particular day? as we stated, every single uh, day is referred to by a number in genesis now i'm I'm going to drop your jaw one more time and then we'll move forward here's the premise and we're going to prove it so I want you to understand the premise and where we're going. The first twenty two hundred years of the Bible, in other words, from uh, you go to about 4,000 BC when man was created and Eve was created. You pop forward about 2,200 years. The Sabbath did not exist for the first 2,200 years of history. Now, to some, it's like, "Are you kidding me?" And uh, I'm like, "No, this this is uh, straight up forward." We're going to see as we develop this. The second premise that we're going to develop uh, this, this evening is. The Sabbath did not come about until the start of the Mosaic Law. The Sabbath was actually implemented as part of the Mosaic Law, and uh, we're going to see that as we go forward. So uh, stick with me. If it's like, if I'm blowing, and I know I'm blowing a few people's minds right now, I don't intend to do that, uh, but that's the way many of us have been taught for years and years and years, but I'm giving you the literal biblical Basis that, quite frankly, is irrefutable evidence. All right, so verse two, and on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done. Who rested? God said, "Man, it's been a tough six days here. I've been busy. I don't take a rest." Who else did He say to rest right now? Did He, did he tell anybody else to take a snooze right now? Did He? Hey, Adam and Eve, go to bed. Seventh day, take a rest. Is that in there? Some of you are like, I'm going to find it. It's in there somewhere. Uh, you're going to be searching a while. Read Genesis backward, forwards, and upside down, and you are not going to find Adam and Eve or any of their descendants in Genesis being told to take a rest. Doesn't exist. For some, that's like, I've never heard that before. All right, and and, and these are and folks, this is one of the things why. We spend the time to know what you believe and why. Well, why do, you, why do those? Uh, why do some people come up to you and get in your face? And they're like, "How come you're meeting on Sunday? Why aren't you? Why aren't you doing what the Bible commands you to do?" I know some of you in here have gone through that it's like, well, why do we meet on Sunday? That doesn't make any sense. If uh, uh, the Sabbath is Friday night through Saturday night, uh, uh, why in the world do we meet on, on Sunday? Well, folks, the Old Testament never commanded anybody to worship on the Sabbath. That'll be interesting, so let's stick with it. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. All right, so... Here's a couple of principles as we go through the next section. God never commands anyone to observe the Sabbath that is prior to the Mosaic Law. So God alone is stated to rest on the seventh day. Now we're going to go to Exodus 16 in just a moment, and you may want to start turning to it. Exodus 16, uh, verse 23, during the installation of the Mosaic Law is the first use of the word Shabbat. Again, you say, well, brother, I don't believe that because I've been told all my life that the Sabbath has existed since Genesis verse, uh, uh, chapter 1 and 2. And I say, well, that's fine. Get out your Bible, get out your concordance, get out your strongs, get out your youngs, get out your uh, logos and go through it and uh, uh, you're going to find exactly what's being stated here. You say, how do you know that? Because I did it all because I didn't believe it at first either. I say, Really? I'm like, no, I've been taught all my life. The Sabbath started in Genesis, and the seventh day, the Sabbath was instituted. Well, I was wrong, and absolutely was wrong until I I was taught otherwise and shown from the Scriptures the truth of this. All right, so in Genesis, uh, again, you say, well, how do we know, and some of you are new here, how do we know that the the world uh, basically was created about uh, 4,000 B.C.? Again, it's very simple, and and I'm serious about that. You go to Genesis 5 and Genesis 11... The genealogies are given all the way back to Adam, all the way up through uh, 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 Christ, if you will, or, or getting up through modern times. And, and you pull in the Gospels, and you'll find in the Old Testament before Christ, every single person, when they had their son, the date is given, the year is given. So it's very easy to just do the math. You come up with around 4,000 B.C. You say, what do you mean About. I thought you said it's mathematical. Here's, here's the little caveat. The month and days are not given. There's how many months in a year? 12. So if somebody's born on January versus uh, December, obviously there's a, a one year variance in there. So it's approximate. So approximately 4,000 BC, according to Genesis 5 and 11 genealogies, the earth is 4,000 years old. You say, well, wait a minute, the earth is hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of years old. And I kindly say, well, get out of Genesis, go to Exodus again. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 says that in six literal days, God created everything that is in the universe. Six days, period, everything made, period, done. No gaps, no theories, simply Bible. And you say, well, I don't believe that. It's all right. Uh, we can agree to disagree then, and, and that's all fine. All right, Genesis uh, uh again, approximately from 4,000 B.C. to 1800 B.C., was chronologically before the Mosaic Law. The end of Genesis, you have about a 300-year gap before we get to the Mosaic Law in approximately 1445 B.C. So you say, well, your contention, Pastor, if I understand you correctly, is that from 4,000 B.C. up until the Mosaic Law was implemented, the Sabbath was not enforced by God. That's exactly correct. All right, let's prove it. Exodus chapter 16. Again, uh, uh, if you go to and do the, the word study, you'll find this is the first use of the word sab- Shabbat in the Old Testament verse 22 and so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread two omers for each one and all the rules of the congregation came and told Moses then he said to them this is what the Lord has said tomorrow is a what Shabbat it's a Sabbath rest A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. All right, so uh, somebody had mentioned the wilderness out there, which is exactly the correct answer. What happens? The children of Israel, they're traveling from Egypt to the promised land. It took them 40 years to do a couple of week journey. Why? Because they kept falling into sin and disobeying God. So God started to implement, if you will, the law. What happens here? We don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to drink. And they're crying out to God, and God says, all right, uh, I'm going I'm to give you food to eat. I'm going to give you manna, food from heaven. And on uh, six days a week, you go out there, you collect as much as you need for the family. Burn what's left. Don't leave it to the next day. Do you remember the story? So some of them said, uh... God, God can't see me. I'm getting enough for tomorrow and the next day. And they started filling up their little tent with uh, with uh, a bunch of manna. And they woke up in the morning, and what happened? It was what? Rotten, full of worms. Horrible. Because God says, six days, you get out there and you work if you want to eat. But on that sixth day, you get enough for the Sabbath day, too. You collect for two days. They woke up the next morning, and that food was what? It was fine. It was fresh. It was ready to eat. So God said, you're going to rest today. And if you and then what does he also tell us? He says, some people said, ah, oh, uh, let's see, yeah, God said something about a rest today, but uh, we didn't collect enough yesterday. I only collected enough for one day, and they go out and start hunting for food, and what did they get? Nothing. They didn't listen to God. All right, so that's when this literally is the implementation of the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 16. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded. It did not stink. I don't think that's a good word we should use in church. Anyway, no, it's fine. The Bible says that we use it. And it did not stink. It wasn't rotten. It wasn't moldy, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, uh, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now, it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather but they found none. Okay, we already said that. We're just repeating uh, what the Scriptures state. Verse 18 of Exodus 16, 28. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? I mean, the law is just starting to kick in, and already they're in trouble. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. I've given it to you. I've given you a day of rest. I've decided that you, the Jewish people, you're wandering the wilderness. You're out there uh, uh, trucking, if you will, through uh, terrible conditions. And now I'm going to give you a day to rest. See, for the Lord has given you this Sabbath. Therefore, He gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no catch this. Well, we got to go to. We got to go to the tabernacle on the Sabbath. We got to go to the temple on the Sabbath. We got to get the uh, uh, the church. Uh, if you will, organized, or the synagogue organized to meet on the Sabbath. Here's what God said you're supposed to do on the Sabbath. To the Jewish people, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Did you catch that? Well, wait a minute. Uh, We've been taught... Uh, uh, through media and radio and television and of uh, uh, various books and various teachers and various seminaries that uh, 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 the Sabbath is when people met. It's time to worship on the Sabbath. And God says, no, it's not. Anybody surprised? You don't have to raise your hand because you've been taught that. Well, it's not biblical. It is extra-biblical things made up by The Jewish rabbis that try to do a good thing to serve God, but in essence, things backfired. And we'll go through that next week. We can't get into all of it tonight. Let no man go out of the place on the seventh day. So what's the the deduction here? No worship, no synagogue, no church. Go home and rest. Literally, that's what he's saying on the Sabbath. So the people rested on the seventh day. Exodus 23, and we already read Exodus 20, so we're going to skip ahead to verse uh, to chapter 23. Six years, now we're talking about the land Sabbath. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. Anything they added to that? Did he say anything beyond you should go home and rest? Anybody? Somebody say something. Anything besides rest? Nope, thank you. That your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. Again, nothing about going to a time of worship. Let's go to Acts chapter 20 and see... Now I go bound, uh, Paul said, in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to what? The gospel of the grace of God. Now we come to the clash, if you will. Old Testament law. Well, wait a minute. Genesis, first 2,200 years of history, the only one that was mandated to take a rest was God himself. He said, hey guys, been a, been, a, been a rough week. And of course, we're talking God, he just, but he's making a point, which he is therefore going to implement when we get into Exodus. Adam and Eve And their descendants, as a summary, were never told to rest on the seventh day. It's not in there. You say, ah, I can't believe that. Well, read it. If you disagree with this, I simply say go home, read it yourself, study it yourself, and see if anything I said is contradicted by Scripture. I think you'll find uh, that uh, you're going to be in good stead with what uh, we taught here this evening. Now we go ahead, and here's where we'll we'll morph into next week when we pick up on this subject. Did the Sabbath become a mandate for man to follow? Did it? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. The Jews. The Jews, and I'll add one other group, proselytes, Gentiles, that would, if you will, begin to follow the Jewish ways. Does Exodus chapter twenty mandate a Sabbath? You can say yes. All right, I, you're you're so confused right now. It's like I'm not sure if it's yes, no, or maybe, folks. It's I'm breaking it down as simple as I can. So we'll we'll close it out with this. In fact, I'm not even sure I got another slide here. Do I? Nope. All right. So let's close it out with this, just to set the tone. You say, brother, Rich, you're you're exactly right. You shook my world tonight. Some of you are like, yeah, I thought that's the way it was, and. Finally, somebody uh, stood up and said it. All right, for those of you that are struggling with this and there and you, some of you will struggle, is the Sabbath a mandate of God for people to follow? Genesis never once. That's the contention. Never once states that man is to rest on the Sabbath day. You'll only think talk about Sabbath re- or not even Sabbath rest, just the word rest. In Genesis, that covers your first 2200 years of Old Testament history. Then God says, Listen, I'm taking my Jewish people out of Egypt, we're going towards the promised land, and all of a sudden, God says, I'm gonna, I'm not just gonna talk about a Sabbath rest, I'm gonna mandate it. Yes, He does mandate it for the Jewish people, it's a mandate, and it's very, very strict. People that violated the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Were punishable at times by death. Why did the Jewish rabbi say, Listen, we don't want to do something to violate the Sabbath because it's a horrific sin against God? So that's why they've developed these things, these 39 areas of work. That's why they morphed it into 1,500 things that are ad infinitum as to what they will and won't do on the Sabbath. Why? Because they didn't want to suffer the wrath of God, so they expanded it into this massive amount of rules and regulations. Now, the next big question, which we'll, again, we'll answer in the, in the next week, when did the Jewish people meet? So we know about the synagogue. We know about the meeting on the Sabbath. When did that start and Why? Now, we got a business meeting. I would answer that question, but we don't have time for that, so you got to come back next time, and we'll explain it to you. And we'll explain why in the Christian church we don't follow the Sabbath because we're not under law, but under what? Grace. So let's close with this. As we do every single service, there's folks here that may be here tonight. You may be watching on the Internet. You say, man, I heard some uh, things that uh, are are interesting and uh, are going to force me to study a bit. But all this means nothing without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You see, when we talk about the law versus grace, we're talking about under the Old Testament, people were forced to follow or attempt to follow 613 different commandments, plus all the things that the rabbis added on top of it. And Jesus says, you don't have to follow a single one of those things today. What you need to do is fall on your face and realize you're a sinner, that there's no hope of going to heaven apart from Jesus Christ, There's no hope for you apart from understanding that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, went to a cross, was crucified, buried, and three days later rose from the dead. And there's no hope for you apart from receiving a free gift, not following the law, not following 613 commandments, not obeying the Sabbath or any other uh, a rule, if you will, the Old Testament, but simply to realize that Jesus Christ has a free gift for you tonight, eternal life. Have you ever received that? Folks? The first thing a Jewish person does when they come to Jesus Christ, they throw away their uh, all their uh, regalia. They stop following the law. They stop following all the things that were Old Testament commands because they're now under freedom. It's time to get free from your sin. Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray as we go through these difficult passages based on mainly because of the culture that we lived in, the things that we've been taught by many some have taught it correctly but others have added on just like the rabbis did 1500 things or things that we they think we should do and yet God says we're not under the law but under grace Lord if there's someone here tonight one person maybe that's never put their faith and trust in the grace of God maybe just by looking at tonight that the free gift is waiting for them by placing their faith and trust in what Jesus did no law all grace If you're here tonight or you're watching tonight, wouldn't it be grand to know that you're going to heaven one day? Wouldn't it be grand to know that your sins are forgiven? And Jesus said very simply, For God so loved the world, that's each one of us, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever anyone, that means you, that will place their faith and trust in Jesus, should not perish or go to hell but have everlasting life. Would you take Jesus' free gift tonight, embrace it, and make it your own? And if you do, God promises, if you'll put your faith and trust in him tonight, he indeed will take you to heaven on that day that you breathe your last breath. You say, how do I do that? Well, by faith, that's it. If you believe it, just receive it. It's that simple. But we'll say a simple prayer. The prayer won't save you, but maybe you want to tell the Lord something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I don't deserve to go to heaven, but tonight I understand that Jesus Christ paid it all. Every single uh, uh, sin debt was paid. Every single thing under the law, Jesus paid. And tonight I'm receiving that free gift, the grace of God, by believing on what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm receiving the free gift of heaven tonight. Thank you for saving me. Now, Father, I pray that you'd uh, uh, help us to walk with you uh, this week. I pray that you bless our short meeting in just a few moments. And, And Lord, I pray most of all, especially for those that may be a little bit uh, 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 disturbed by some of the things they heard tonight. It's like, well, I just never heard that before. Father, just help us to go right back to Second 2 Timothy 2.15 to study, uh, to show ourselves uh, approved unto you, workmen and workwomen that need not to be ashamed, rightly handling, rightly dividing the